Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, first, I want to say we miss you. And I know this is uh, definitely a different way of doing church, but I've uh, received so many comments and just emails and letters uh, that you are tuning in and uh, watching uh, the service. And we're so glad that you're taking advantage of that. And and so we, we want to make sure that God is speaking to your heart and and that we're growing through this time. And I, and I believe with all my heart that it's through trials that we truly grow in our walk uh, with the Lord. So I want to thank you just for how you're uh, just connecting with one another. Uh, some of you have uh, jumped on Facebook for the first time and uh, you're connecting with many people through uh, that avenue uh, or just writing emails. Uh, so I am so thankful for that. So thank you for just uh, uh, reaching out and connecting with one another. I was um, jogging yesterday in my neighborhood and I ran into somebody uh, from our church and uh, they told me that someone from our church uh, connect with them. Somebody from our prayer team were trying to connect with people and ask if there's any prayer. And he just appreciated that so much that someone connected with them and is praying for them. And so I want you to know that I don't want you to to feel alone during this time because I know uh, it's during these times of isolation. Some of you are alone and I know it can easily feel like you're, you're all alone, but we, we want to know that we're here to pray for you. So please reach out to us. Uh, please send us an email, reach out to us through our website or through uh, the prayer link. And we want to make sure that you're being prayed for. And so uh, we just want want you to know that we love you, uh, that we miss you and that and that we're praying during this time. We're praying for uh, just for our medical workers and all those that are, are just on the front lines. We want to continue to pray for them. Uh, some of you may feel more anxious during this time. You're you're feeling overwhelmed. Things have changed so much. <laughs> you know, you've got kids at home now. You're you're with each other all the time, which creates a whole new uh, dynamic. Some of you, it's with your jobs, and it's just there's a lot of uncertainty. But I want you to know that we can trust the Lord through this time, that he is our provider, that he's going to be with us. So I want to thank you, church, in the way that you've connected during this time and have prayed for each other and uh, has have supported e- each other uh, during during this time. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. We're, we're starting a, a new series. And what, what I want to do is I want to uh, go through the book of Titus and, uh, and look at how uh, this book helps us uh, to live a good life or a godly life during difficult times? Or how do I grow in my walk in the Lord during all different seasons of my life? And so I want to just jump into this book and we're going to look at, look at it for the next couple of weeks of how we actually can grow during this time or how we can actually live a good life, even when it seems like things are so uncertain and maybe things have collapsed around us, how we can still grow in the Lord, and how God can actually use this for his purposes. And, um, and so I, I want to, I want to jump into that. And I want us to look at that, want us to look at how God can still just use us and how we can still live a good life and find his peace and his joy, even through these uncertain times. I don't know if any of you have ever seen, uh, the movie, it's a wonderful life. It's one of my favorite 
um, Christmas movies. And it's about a story about a man named uh, George Bailey and uh, played by Jimmy Stewart. And George, as a, a boy, he basically dreamed of traveling the world and doing big things with his life. And he basically gave up that dream uh, to help his family uh, run their business, run their small building and loan uh, business in Bedford Falls. And and so uh, there's a point in the movie, what happens is, is that he's just feeling down about his life and and then his uncle misplaces a large sum of money. It's, it's other people's money and they don't know where it is and it's basically gonna shut down the business and it, it, it could devastate George's life. And so he just feels like everything has collapsed around him. He's feeling like, what have I done with my life? My, my life has no meaning. And so he just feels like he's gonna end it all. So um, on Christmas Eve, he, he walks to a bridge and and he's going to just jump off this this bridge on Christmas Eve. And, and actually, this is the part of the, I know it's, it's not a great part of the movie when you think someone's going to jump off a bridge. But actually, this is a really neat part of the, the story because this is where Clarence, uh, the angel, comes in. And if you've seen the movie, it's really interesting where there's this man is an angel and he, he jumps off the bridge before George does and he's in the water. And so now George doesn't know what to do. So he ends up saving this angel named Clarence. And so uh, Clarence, uh, uh, he gets Clarence out of the water and, and, and then Clarence shows George what his life in Bedford Falls would have looked like if he had never lived. And, that, and that's the interesting story of, of, of this movie, of how George Bailey changed the lives in small ways in that community of Bedford Falls. And so what George has realized is that his life in small ways made a huge difference in the lives of people. And so he came to appreciate that he did live a good life. He actually lived a wonderful life. And, and, and what matters most, and this is what, George came to realize is what matters most is not the things that we obtain or the things that we might accumulate in our lives, but what matters most is actually how we live our lives. And George came to realize that he did live a good life. Even though he didn't aspire to these great things or travel the world, he realized that through their small business and their community, they were able to help families uh, receive homes. And in small ways, he touched the lives of so many people. And I don't want to, if you've never seen the movie, I don't want to give away the end of the movie, uh, but the end of the movie is, is great. And, and how the community just realized what a great person George actually was and what a difference he made in the lives of those around him. And that's what I want to look at. How can we, we live a good life, even when we think everything around us has crumbled or we feel like, am I making a difference in other people's lives? And the Apostle Paul, what he does is he writes um, this letter to Titus. And that's the name of the book. The book is called Titus. And Paul writes to Titus to show him what a good life in Christ actually looks like. What does it look like? Is, is, is it these great grandiose things that we do in our life, or is it just the small things that we do that make the biggest difference? And Titus was a really interesting person. Titus was a convert of Paul, and he helped Paul tremendously. Um, what Titus did is he did the hard jobs 
um, in the churches. Titus worked with many dysfunctional churches. He did the hard work many times. He did the messy work. And Paul really appreciated Titus and his hard work that he did for the churches. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the show uh, Dirty Jobs, but the, they just go and they look at the, the dirtiest jobs in America and, and how difficult they are and the people that do them. It's just a really interesting show if you've ever seen it. That, that was kind of Titus. He kind of just did the dirtiest jobs in the church and he worked with very difficult churches, but he was faithful. And Paul recognized this. And Paul actually writes a whole letter to Titus and, and to instruct him and to show him what a good life in Christ re- truly looks like. So uh, Titus helped the church in Corinth, which was a very difficult church, and they had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Um, and so he helped that church. Titus hand-delivered the letter of Second Corinthians um, that was written by Paul. Uh, Titus also helped raise funds for the hurting church in Jerusalem that just needed help and they're under persecution and Titus helped them. Titus also combated false teachers who were infiltrating the church at that time. One particular group were called the Judaizers and they, what they were basically, and this was very dangerous for the church at this time because um, it could really fracture what God was doing in the church. And what they did is they insisted that to truly be saved, that you had to trust Christ and then also adhere to Old Testament laws. And it was a mix of faith and works going clearly against salvation by faith in Christ, by God's grace alone. And so Titus had to deal with this group and, and, and confront them on their bad teaching. Titus had a love for Jesus and, and the church, and he, he worked hard to resolve issues within the church, and Paul trusted him greatly. And so Titus lived a good life. And if you look at Titus and the things that he did, maybe from the outside looking in, it looks like, okay, what did Titus really do? It seemed like he was working with all the problems and all the difficult things that happened within the church, but he made a difference. And Paul saw the difference in Titus's life. And so our life should make a difference with those whom we encounter. And I want you just to think for a moment. Um, think of, of someone who has made a difference in your life. Just, just think for just a moment. Is there someone that you just can just go to right away when you think, man, this person really made a difference in, in my life? And think about how, how did they impact your life? What did they do? What did they show you? How did they impact your life that made a difference? Um, and how did they make your life better? What what are some things that they did that actually made your life better? I can remember when I was a junior in high school, one of the most difficult classes for me was math. I could not, I mean, algebra was a nightmare for me. And um, when I took algebra in ninth grade, I had um, a teacher that, um, just had difficulty explaining algebra. And for someone that, that couldn't understand all the steps, I was completely lost. And, and then my parents switched teachers and I got another teacher who helped explain it better. And I, and I did make it through algebra. I got a, I always remember that I got a 76 on my regents final. So I passed, I had a 50 going into midterms. It was a miracle that I passed algebra. So the next year I had to go into geometry, but I had the same teachers, so they helped me through geometry. And then my junior, I had to take trig God help us. I had to take trig. And so, um, we're all in the class and there's a teacher there and his name was Mr. Carter and Mr. Carter just, he goes, I'm going to give a quiz and first day of the class. And if you fail, 
everyone that fails is going to go to math 12. So I'm like, okay, I'm in math 12 and just basic math. I'm just going to get my math credits out of the way, you know, and I'm out of here. So we take the quiz and I, I, I didn't pass. And there's some other students that didn't pass either. So he says, okay, all you guys are, are going to go to math 12. So I'm picking up my books and I'm going, I'm going to math 12 and just get my math credits out of the way. And Mr. Carter looked at me and he said, no, Barden, you're going to stay. And I'm like, Mr. Carter, I, I, I didn't pass. You know, he goes, no. He goes, I think that you can pass this class. I'm like, you're crazy. Let me show you my algebra scores because they weren't good. He goes, no, I think I'm going to have you stay after school. I'll work with you through it. Mr. Carter helped me to pass trig. It was a miracle. But I always remembered him. I always remembered him that there was somebody that actually took an interest in my, in my life and actually believed in me and had confidence in me that I could pass this. And I was so insecure with my math skills. And, but there was somebody that took interest in me. I don't remember many teachers. I don't remember many professors I had in college. But you know what? I remember Mr. Carter. And every single one of us have a Mr. Carter in our lives that made a difference in our lives. And I want you to realize that living a good life for Christ, living a life, a a, a godly life in Christ means God uses us to impact other people. And, and so even as we're, even as we're going through this, these unprecedented times in our world today, God can still use us to do wonderful and great things for him. So I want to read Titus for you, starting in the first chapter. We're just going to, it's, it's, it's not a, a long book, but we're, next couple weeks we're just going to traverse through it. But let me show you what Paul says here as he's writing to Titus, who, Titus who's been faithful he, um, he, he is impacting other people's lives and he's, his life isn't easy. The churches that he's dealing with aren't easy, but he learned how to live a godly life. And listen to what Paul says here. It says, this letter is from Paul. And here's how Paul addresses it. He says, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those whose God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So Paul is there to show them the truth and and how do we live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they may have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the world began. And now at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for them. I am writing to Titus, and listen to how he addresses Titus. I love this. He says, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. He had a, he had a personal relationship with Titus. He called him his son. May God the Father, and in Christ Jesus our Savior, give you, pe- give you grace and peace. And so this is how Paul addresses this letter. He wants to show them how to live godly lives. And he addresses this letter to his son in the faith, Titus. And and, and Paul wanted his listeners to know the truth and to seek the truth. And knowing this truth would help them live a godly life. So here's the thing I want you to understand. Applying truth to our lives will lead to godly living. Applying truth to our lives will lead to godly living. Listen to what Jesus says. Uh, John records it for us in John 8. 
And Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and it's the truth that will set you free. So what is truth? What is, what is Jesus talking about? Why is knowing the truth uh, help, helps us to live godly lives? Well, here's what Jesus says. You must be all in. It's listening and obeying the truth of Jesus. We can't be half-hearted followers of Christ. So faithfulness to Jesus' teaching leads to good living. Let me just say this. Faithfulness to Jesus' teachings lives to good livings. It just works. Um, I became a Christian and a follower of Jesus my freshman year of high school in uh, 19... 82. It's a lot of years ago. 1980s were the best decade ever. And uh, so I'm a product of the 80s, but I came to Christ in 1982 and Jesus has never let me down. Now, everything in my life has not been perfect. Um, not, not, not everything has gone the way I've wanted it to go, but, but following Christ and his teachings and listening to him, he has never let me down and I would never change it. I would never change it for the world. And he's been faithful and he's a perfect and he's a, he's a good God. It just works. And so what Paul does is he lays out for us in this letter that obeying the truth will lead to a good life and a godly life. Now that doesn't mean that everything will go perfect in our lives, but that we have the truth and that truth leads to eternal life, which gives us a completely different perspective. So the theme of Paul's letter is very clear. He says this, belief and behavior go hand in hand. Belief and behavior go hand in hand. So if I believe the truth of Jesus and I follow his teachings, then it's going to translate in the way I live my life. I I don't follow my life by the patterns of this world. Yes, we see a lot of things going around us, but fear doesn't have to grip our hearts. We can still live a good godly life even in the face of uncertain times when things don't seem like they're working out or we don't have, um, uh, we're not sure about what tomorrow is going to bring. When we follow Christ and we trust in his truth and who he is, we understand that he will take care of us, that God is ultimately in control. And so following the truth of Christ will lead to a good life. So how do we live out the truth of Christ in a world of untruth. How do, we, how do we live out the truth of Christ when we see so much brokenness in our world today? Well, let me give you some context to Paul's letter here, and hopefully this will help us. The setting for Paul's letter happens on the island of Crete. And let me show you there. You can see it there. And the island of Crete there, you can see it's an island uh, just south of, of Greece. And this is where Paul and Titus started this church. Now, let me give you a little background to this island because it's very interesting. Paul and Titus started new churches there, and Paul left Titus there to actually establish and to grow the church. Now, I want to I give you um, the surrounding of, of what Titus um, had to endure as he started this church because this was, this was not easy for him. The culture in Crete, was difficult. And that's an understatement. It was very immoral. One of Creek's highly esteemed philosophers, Epimetides, said this, 
about his own people. He said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. That's what he said about their own people. In fact, a Roman statement, statesman philosopher Cicero said, moral principles are so divergent that the Cretans consider highway robbery honorable. I mean, and this is, this is the culture that, that Titus is faced with. It's just, you know, it's just a really nice place to raise your family. Um, It's just, it was difficult. And so this is the culture of Crete. So the belief system, let me share the belief system here in Crete. The belief system there was entrenched in Greek mythology. They believed that man became God and they believed Zeus was the most powerful God in their belief system. Now, let me explain who Zeus was. Now, Zeus was basically immoral. He was a seducer of women. He was a liar and the Cretans immortalize Zeus and these characteristics. So in a nutshell, their most powerful God was a liar and a womanizer. And it, there's a saying here, as, the, as, as goes the Cretan gods, so go the people. They, they basically modeled what they believed to be their gods or in their gods. So they modeled their life after their gods. That is why Paul says right off at the beginning in his letter that our God does not lie. And knowing the truth will lead to true godliness. So living for Christ would not be easy in this setting. And we can easily see parallels in our culture today. So here's, here's the rub. Here's where it gets difficult. This is where life gets difficult or where life gets difficult as, as a follower, as we see all these things happening around us in our culture, as, as uh, we're, we're faced with making uh, moral choices for our lives. How do we, as, as followers of Christ, stay true, stay true to the truth of, of Christ? How do we live a good life that flows from Christ and not be influenced by what the world sees as good. So I want you to see something here. Titus was in direct conflict with the immorality of the life around him. And yet Paul says, I want to teach you how to live a good life, even in the midst of what seemed very immoral and, and very anti-Christian and very opposite of what God would show us. And so that's why we need the truth. The truth will help us. It will help us to navigate through all the things we see in our world today. The the truth will help us not to turn to fear. When we look at our life today, it's so easy for fear and anxiety to grip our heart. But if we know Christ has overcome this world, we can take heart in that, that Christ has everything in control. How do we live a gospel-changed life amid a world that's constantly seeking to define what we need to believe? So how do we live this how do we live this changed life in Christ amid a world that's constantly seeking to define what we need to believe? We have to have the truth of Christ to help us to navigate our world today. And that's what we'll discover as we dig more into this letter to Titus. But I want you to notice how Paul starts his letter. And this is how uh, we navigate through our world today. And this is how we can, even in the midst of, of COVID-19, and the things that we see quickly changing in our world today, this is how we can correctly navigate our world today. And I want you to see what Paul says on how to live a godly life. Paul first starts out his letter by saying that he's a slave of God and an apostle 
of Jesus. The minute Paul writes this letter, he starts this letter. He doesn't say that I'm first an apostle where he says, look at me. I've, I've seen Jesus and I'm apostle. And he starts throwing titles around. He first says that he's a slave of God, a slave of God. And then an apostle of, of Jesus. So where does a godly life start? Well, living the godly life that is Christ centered starts with servanthood. This is where Paul started his life. He started with servant. He was first a slave of God. Paul first calls himself a slave of God, that his calling to be an apostle was second to that of being a slave to Christ. Paul absolutely got it right here. And so should we. He didn't throw a title around. He didn't. He, he ultimately understood that he was a servant of Jesus. So the word Slave here in, in the Greek language, um, every single time in the New Testament that we see this word slave and we see the Greek word doulos, um, it, it has a very heavy meaning here. And so Paul uses this word doulos specifically for a reason. When the word doulos is used, it means slave. And when we think of a, a servant, we think of someone who's hired to do something. But that's not the context here. The word means someone who is actually owned. And so by using this word, Paul is saying that he is under the complete authority of Christ, that he is not his own, that he was bought with a price. And through Christ Jesus and his very own life, he was purchased. So Paul's allegiance is entirely in Christ. Jesus is his model. And so Paul's message was this. If we've embraced the gospel message, then it will transform the way we live. And what it does is in order to lead a godly life in in a world that seems so difficult to to live that way many times, as in Titus, as we see in Titus living uh, on the island of Crete, um, what Paul is saying is the way we navigate our world today is that we have to walk in humility that we have to see that we're first servants of Christ, that we are his, his slaves. And Paul actually served these churches. What made the difference in Titus's life is that he was serving these churches out of his love for Christ. That's why he could live a, a good life. That's why he could uh, continually serve Christ because he was ultimately Jesus's servant. He was ultimately serving Christ and ultimately he was his slave. And so the gospel message is what authenticates, is what is, is authenticating the world we live in, no matter how difficult it might be. And so as we know, through trials is going to reveal who we truly are. And so we are going through a trial right now. We're going through a trial right now. And so instead of running to fear and anxiety, even though it's real, even though we're all going through it, we need to run to the truth of Christ and who he is and not allow our circumstances to dictate how we're living our lives. So here's what I would say is you're, listen, life has changed. And I have six people in my house, six. And you're with people all day long, right? You're getting to know each other really well. Parents with kids, your kids are home. You're, you're, you're teaching them. You're, you know, you've got to do schoolwork with them and you're with them 
all the time. And so we see all our flaws, right? We see all that stuff begins to, to come out. Married couples, you're with each other and you start to, to see all those flaws. And, and, and I would say this is a great opportunity for God to work on us and to show us how to live a godly life even in difficult circumstances. And I, I, I think that it's good for us to, to get out of our comfort zones. And this is causing us to come out of our comfort zones. And, and I think that God can use this. And so the way we work through this is to run to Christ in his truth and say, Jesus, how can you teach me through this? What are you showing me in my life? What are things that can change in my life? The, the character, George Bailey, what he ended up doing and what he ended up realizing in the end of his life is that what really mattered were the relationships that he formed with the people in his community. Not so much him going uh, off into the world and doing great things. He did great things right in the midst of his own community and people saw the difference that he made in his life. He realized his life did matter and, and using his life to serve others was the most important thing. And so I want you to realize is, is as we are, you know, as we are distancing ourselves and we're working through COVID-19 and as we're um, wanting things to, to, to get better and we're wanting people to work through this and to bring healing for people that are sick, um, praying for those that have been directly affected through this with all the deaths. As we're working through this, I would say, God, work on those things in my life that you are trying to bring out of my life so that I can live a godly life for you. And I believe with all my heart, if we allow Christ to do this during this time, uh, his truth will be spoken to our heart. There was a, uh, just a really interesting statement that I read by a man named Lance Witt. And it just, it really helped me to, to concentrate on the right things. Because what happens is, is when, when you're with someone for a long period of time, as we are now with, uh, with COVID, as we're sheltering in, as, and maybe you're with your family for these long periods of, of time, um, what we're going to start seeing is the flaws in each other's lives. Can I get an amen? You're starting to see some of the flaws in each other's lives, right? And, and you know, I think I was jogging the other day around my neighborhood, and I think I saw a mom on top of her roof. I don't know if she was getting ready to jump. I don't know what was happening there, but we we're trying to talk her down off the roof, right? I mean, it, it's, it can, you, there's... A lot of, we need a lot of patience during, during this time. And um, this was something I read from Lance Witt that I thought was really insightful. And he said this, he said, we all have a front stage life and a backstage life. The front stage is that public world. It's where we're noticed, where the spotlight is on us. It's where people applaud and affirm us. On the front stage, everything is orderly, neat, and in its place. It's where we put the most time and effort because it is what people see. He goes, but we also have this backstage life. And the two are connected. The front stage is our public life and the backstage is our private world. The backstage is always dark and usually messy. The audience isn't allowed there. Backstage has no spotlight and no glory. What happens backstage facilitates and empowers what takes place on the front stage. If we neglect the backstage, eventually the front stage will fall apart. And here's what I see about that statement. Statement: Trials 
will expose the backstage of our lives. And, and I want us, as we go through, the, as we're going through this trial, I want God to expose or allow God to expose maybe some of the things that are in the backstage of your life, the, the private area of your life. And when you're around someone a long, uh, for a long period of time, you can kind of start seeing the backstage of their life. And this is where God wants to go. And I believe if we can allow God to go and in, in, in bring truth to the backstage of our life, it, 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 it will change everything. Um, I, think, I think what happens is, is we can show people this, the front part of our life and everything's neat and it's order. But you know what? When we go on the backstage, we're all messy. And we all, you know, we all have our fears. And we all have things that are bothering us. And there are things that God needs to deal with. And I would say to you, as me too, to allow God to go into the backstage of your life. To, re- to reorganize that, that backstage. And allow God to speak to you. Um, you know, all these things, all these things we're going through, the trials we're going through, um, is going to bring out the things um, that, that are lacking in our lives. So if it's trust, it's going to bring that out. If it's fear, it's going to bring that out. If it's anxiety, it's going to, it's going to bring those things out. If it's our spiritual life and where was our spiritual life before COVID-19, it's going to bring out what we're really trusting now. And so what I would tell you is I would tell you, if you're going to live a good life and a godly life in Christ, I would, I would heed the words of Paul and allow the truth of Christ to speak to our hearts. So I would, I would tell you to take advantage of this time and dig into God. Um, here's one thing that I started doing that I haven't done in a long time. And I'm not, I'm not saying all of you do this, but one thing I used to do early in my Christian walk and even during my college years and early years in ministry is I would just write down my thoughts. Not when you say journaling, it's like, it's a diary. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying doing that, but I'm just saying, just writing down your thoughts. And so what I started doing is doing that again, just writing down my prayers, writing down the things that I feel that God is dealing with my heart. And what I did was I went back to an old book that I wrote down a lot of my thoughts and and things that I was going through way back when I was in college. And I began to read through that. And it just brought to me all the things that God was helping me to get through, all the things that were in the backstage of my life that God was dealing with me. And it really was an eye-opening thing. And I think it's just one way that we can uh, allow God to have access into our hearts and our lives to help us live a godly life. Listen, what, what this can do for us, what COVID-19 can do for us is give us stronger roots in Christ if we allow him to do it. And so if, if you're feeling a lot of anxiety right now and a lot of fear, it, it may be revealing um, some, some areas in your life that need growth. And that's okay. And so what I would tell you is begin to dig into God, begin to dig into his word. Maybe, maybe start writing your thoughts down and what God is speaking um, to your heart and, and find that time to get alone with the Lord. And, and let's not do the same old, same old. And if we allow God to really speak to us during this time, I believe it's going to give us a deeper foundation for the next thing that we go through. And just remember that all the things we're going through now are, are foundational for the next trial. And, and I'm going to tell you, there'll be other trials. There will be other trials. But what trials do, it reveals the foundation that we're standing on. 
And so if this trial has revealed just a slim foundation that you've been standing on, uh, maybe some of you are here and you're like, you know, Pastor Barden, I'm, I'm not a church going person or, you know, I'm just not a very religious person. Maybe this trial has revealed to you that not everything is secure as you thought it was. But you know what? That's okay. Because that's God speaking to you, saying, don't put your trust in this world. The, the good life, just like George Bailey, is not in the things that you accumulate, right? And so maybe, maybe God is speaking to you saying, where is your trust? What, 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 where is your faith? And I believe if we allow God to use this, the trial we're going through now to, to deepen our faith in him, we will be stronger we will be more in tune with God. I believe God can, can just move in our church in a new and a fresh way um, to breathe life into us and, and, just, and just awaken us to who he is. And I believe God is doing that if we allow him to do it. So let, let's, let's open the, the door to the, to the backstage and let's let God in there and say, God, deal with me. What are the things that, what are the, what are the, the uh, false things I'm believing that aren't true? Let your truth speak to me. And God's word through his, the truth of God's word will speak to the things in your life that you are trusting that aren't firm, that ought not be there. So let's allow God to build our lives in him. Let's allow this situation, situation that we're going through to allow God to speak and to, to build our hearts. So here's my, here's my takeaway. Here's my takeaway today. And, and we're just going to, closing just a great worship song called build build my build my life here's the takeaway as we go through the difficulties in our lives how are we allowing god to transform us into who he wants us to be how are we allowing these difficulties in our lives how are we allowing god to transform us into what he wants us to be so here here's here's a couple action points i want you to do maybe start writing down your thoughts and what God is speaking to you through this. Maybe start writing down some of the areas in your life that you've been trusting that have been faulty and God is changing your heart. Maybe for the first time, you're gonna start just reading God's word, just jump into the New Testament and start reading God's word. Start reading through the gospels. Start with the book of John. Just start reading and allowing the truth of God to speak to you. Here's, here's where we need to lean into the promises of God. And, and one promise of God that's just been helping me um, through this time, and many of you, you've, you've written to me and through emails and, and, and different letters. I've been hearing this one psalm over and over and over again. And this is one psalm that's been speaking to me. And it's Psalm 91. And let me just, as the band comes and as we sing this last song, let me read to you what Psalms 91 says. Just, just the first couple of verses. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him who I will trust. Are you trusting the Lord today? Are you, trust, are you running to him and his fortress today? He will give you his peace when we run to him. And so just start implementing maybe some of these things into your life and allow God to have you build your life on a firm foundation. And listen, we will, we will make it through this. But... Um, Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. Let's allow God to do something deeper in our hearts and deeper in the life of our church. 
And for those of you that are listening, that, that maybe you're not a church-going person, maybe God's speaking to you to say, what are you building your life on? And let me just say this, that Jesus conquered this world for us. And when we put our hope in him, we have a sure future and a sure foundation in him that we will be with him one day. But there's nothing in this world that can take that away. So let me pray for you. And, um, and let's just ask God to help us and to put our trust in him today. Father God, we just bow our hearts before you today. And I just thank you for this time and just digging into your word, God. And I thank you for the example that we have in the Apostle Paul and Titus of them living their faith out before you in very difficult times, uncertain times. And Lord, we need you today. And I pray for someone, anyone that's listening today that just, they feel like their life around them is just crumbling. And I pray that they would just put their hope in, in you, Jesus that they would call out to you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And that our future in you is secure and nothing can take that away. And so Lord, help us to take this time that we're going through now to build our lives on you, to give us deeper roots, a more solid foundation in you. So that Lord, whatever we may go through in the future, we have this solid foundation that we can look back and say, God, you got me through this and you helped me to grow through this and you're going to be faithful to allow me to get through this next trial. And we thank you for your faithfulness. And through all of that, we can still say we can live a good, godly life in you even though things around us may not be ideal. We love you and we thank you for your word. Help us just to keep following you and trusting you through this. And I pray for anyone here today that's just anxious and fearful, anyone who's battling this, this virus, God, those who have family members in the hospital or who have faced death, God, I pray you'd comfort them, that you would be with them, that you'd strengthen them. Thank you for our healthcare workers and all that they're doing to bring health to those that have been affected by this, Lord. We thank you for them. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. And we thank you that ultimately you are in control. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.